time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out! With Paul. It is Paul Matthews, it is Korean literature translated into English, so most of our listeners can understand. How are we doing, Paul? I'm doing good. What a wonderful day it is. Oh, the rain we've had. Oh, the humidity. Did oh, you the get heat. Caught out in any of those crazy sharp showers? Uh, I, I almost did on Monday. Oh, I had to go oh. to Chunju on Monday and I had to get Ooh. up early because I had a 7 a.m. train to catch. Okay. And so I was about 5.45 in the morning. All right. Opened the front door and it is pouring wow, down. Wow, a wall and, of rain. Yeah, and we have a little sort of gate that's got a cover over it. Okay. And I was there all booking a taxi. Yeah. And I booked the taxi and suddenly the rain stopped. Oh, wow. Just for you, just for me, and so I didn't actually, I didn't actually need the umbrella. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, the rain—it's really on and off, right? Yeah, a lot of the time. I think last week or was it the week before? We thought we were in monsoon season. Yeah, but now we're in monsoon season. Yeah, there was a Korean article saying that maybe they're going to stop using the word Changma or monsoon, and it's just maybe going to be like other parts of like Southeast Asia where it's just continuously a rainy summer on and off. I don't want that. I love our little rainy season, then nice clear skies and hot weather. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe maybe if it rains on and off, there'll be less flooding. Okay. Because that is a big issue. If we have lots of rain over a short period of time, like a few days. That's true. It can cause so many problems. Yeah. Um, we got Aim Lee to say, last week I bought Chonam Ju's Tangerine Green. Ooh. Not yet reading it. I don't know if Paul has shared about this book or not. Is that out in English? Oh. I, d- I did not know. I have got to check this out. I don't know. Or have you bought it in Indonesian, maybe? That may be it. Um, let, do let us know, because if it is in English, I've uh, I've not done my job yet. Oh, and I'll have yeah. to get to it. We'll check it out. Green Tangerine. Tangerine Green, I should say. We've got an update on the Tangerine Green. It's in Indonesian. It's the Indonesian translation. How's your so Indonesian? Not very good. My brother speaks a little bit. I'll oh, have to wow. talk with him. He lived there for a few years. Maybe you could send it to him and then he could translate it for you. Yeah, we're not speaking at the moment. Okie dokie. <laughs> Let's move on to today's book then. Uh, look, the weather has hotted up. Really? Um, temperatures can flare mm-hmm. when it gets hot. Yes. Um, and when it rains hard, it can make you feel like the heavens are crying, like mm. it's really sad. Yeah. So I, I brought you a classic short story that I think fits both of those things perfectly. Oh, so interesting. So we've got Tempers and Tragedy today. It's called uh, Sukukse, the Cuckoo. It's by Che Manshik. It is translated by Jamie Chang. And it's about two young men and two young women who all live in a small village. And feelings for some of them, from some of them, are going to lead to disaster. Oh, star-crossed lovers, is it? Uh, the author, Chairman Shik, we featured 
them before? Yes, last summer. If you remember, last August we did a short story special, a month of uh, mm, classic short yes. stories. Uh, and yes, he's a very well-known Korean novelist, uh, big on satirizing society, mm. looking at it from a skewed view. Yeah. Um, he was born in Gunsan in uh, Cholodo province in 1902, studied uh, at Waseda University in Tokyo, uh-huh. and then came back to become a newspaper reporter and also a magazine editor. Um, and then he made his debut in 1924, and uh, he went on to publish a number of uh, books, a number of stories. He settled down in Kaesong. In North Korea, actually, no, for yeah. his writing. He then got arrested in 1938 uh, by the Japanese because he was associating with societies and people they didn't approve of. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was released, though he had to promise to only write pro-Japanese pieces. Okay. However, upon Korea's liberation, he was able to start writing what he wanted to again. Oh, but good. He, he did pass away in 1950 at the age of 48. Mm. So we lost him too early, but he left behind... 400 pieces of writing. <gasps> so wow. many stories and essays and reviews and plays and other things. There's quite a few available in English. So it's nice to feature him again. And it's a great story. Fantastic. The cuckoo. What does that bring to mind? I wonder for some of our listeners as well. Uh, tell us about Jamie Chang, although we featured her many times. Uh, right? We have. Yes. Um, it's interesting is that her past work... Um, has there's a lot of classical short stories she's translated, and mm. then her more recent work is translating some really big modern novels. Uh, and she's amazing. Uh, she's been translating for the past decade, uh, translating authors like Cho Nam Ju, uh, Kim Eran, Son Won Pyeong. Uh, she also lectures at Iwa Women's University at the Literature Translation Institute of Korea. Uh, another great translator uh, among many. We have many great translators on the show, we and she's one of lucky. Yeah, um, Leon was mentioning a lot of the books that we talk about. You can get the ebook versions. Yes, and sometimes like, for free. Like today, this is a free book. Oh. This is available online illegally for free. (laughs) So if you want to read it as I read it or after the show, it's easy to search out. Just look for The Cuckoo by Che Man Shik, translated by Jamie Chang, and you should be able to find it. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, Leon's been very helpful on the YouTube chat, giving some platforms where you can get a lot of e-books as well. But do get them legally, please. Yeah. Do not break the law. Thank you very much. They need to get their reward, the authors, the translators. I wonder how that happens when it's free. I'm guessing the association would have made a payment or something. Uh, yeah, like so that. so yeah. I think I think in the, in that kind of case there might be a buyout mm. where it's like this is going to be distributed for free for all time. So yeah. we'll give you this amount of money. And fortunately, translators generally don't get paid mm. a huge amount of money, and that should change. Absolutely. But we thank them. However much they're getting paid, they do an amazing job. And Jamie Chang certainly did an amazing job with this translation. All right. So where are we going to pick it up today? We're going to pick it up at the very beginning. We have. Birok Sue, our main character, mm. uh, he's not in a good mood and he's off to visit someone. Oh. To the left was a grass field on a gentle slope studded with graves in the public cemetery. Not a single tree in sight. To the right was a slope where ugly crawling pine clung to the unseemly yellow-orange rubble. A winding mountain path cut between the two areas climbing over the tall hill. The clear sun of May stretched across the lush bushes on both sides of the path. Violets stuck their heads out here and there among the tufts of grass. 
violets were blue, and oxalis no bigger than fingernails were yellow. White spider lilies were also in full bloom. Even the dehuang had pretty flowers. Haibikot, the grandmother flower, got to stretch its back only after it's grown old and fluttered its white hair in the air. The field darkened for a moment when a cloud passed above and soon became bright again. A startled pheasant squawked as it burst out from the bushes. Biroxue struggled and grunted as he climbed this steep hill, crushed under a heavy load of wood. He had too much greed and not enough cunning. He was eager to use the pickaxe he'd sharpened on the last market day, but he had to gather wood without getting caught by the forester who'd have whipped him if he were caught. So Biroxue cut down everything he could get his hands on, rhododendron, azalea, pine, and sometimes even perfectly good pine. It was too much for him to carry, but he had faith in his own strength, which threatened to betray him as he nearly tumbled downhill a few times on his way down. And now there was this hill. To make matters worse, he was hungry because he'd been up since the early April sun rose. He'd skipped lunch and it was past noon. The squeak, squeak of his A-frame and the clank, clank of his lunchbox responded to his grunts. He might have stopped once or twice on his way to catch his breath, but his pig-headedness drove him on. His tanned, bulging calves were ready to burst under the weight of the load he carried on his back. When he finally made it to the top of the hill, he gasped for air, propped his A-frame off to the side with a stick, and got up. Stupid ninny, the things I have to do because of that. Biroxue looked over at the cemetery and untied the towel from his belt and wiped the sweat off his face. Welcome to Arirang Radio. If you are in Jeju, 88.7 in Jeju City, 88.1 in Sogipu City, 101.9 in the Daejeon area. We're back for part two. Check it out with Paul in the studio, having had our first reading. Uh, Midok's uh, the character in question climbing over the hill, seeming like they're not having a good day. No. Hard at work, complaining. But who are they complaining to? Who are they calling a ninny in this uh, The instance? person they're here to meet, who ah. is six feet under. Oh, at the cemetery. Yeah, it's his dead wife. So Siska was saying, so many flowers described in this poetic way. Jennifer Wood very intrigued and Yan saying very descriptive. And yeah, I was thinking, oh, it's really emphasising the environment and talking about all the flowers to give you a clear picture. But then those were a lot of the flowers that he was picking. And I was thinking, what's he going to do with them? He's come to the grave. He's Aww. come to pay his respects and he's made sure that he's gone the long way round so he can stop here. And that's Aww. why he's complaining. He okay. could have he could have gone straight back home okay. and not taken this journey, but he's decided to do it. Okay. He can't actually read what's written on her grave marker, but he still looks at it. And he circles the grave and makes sure it's well kept because that's very important in Korean tradition. Yeah, especially um, before the big uh, paying your respects. Yeah. What's it called? Chuseok and Solo. 
And then he, he brings out his lunchbox. He's, you know, he hasn't had breakfast. Mm. It's past noon. He's really hungry, but he doesn't eat. He first offers it to her. He places it on the grave mm. and he waits for her spirit to taste it, which again yeah. is, a, you know, the very traditional thing to do. We do that. Here. Oh, now I'm seeing him in a completely different light. Yeah. And he starts to cry oh. and he wonders why she had to go and die. So that mini kind of comment is not really hateful, but it doesn't seem... Well, wait and see, Peter. And we're taking back one year to the previous spring Mm -hmm. when she was alive. Okay. Uh, And we see Miroxe heading back from the fields for lunch, and a young woman stops him. Her name is Jamne. Mm -hmm. And they don't like each other. They're insulting each other. They're calling each other names, saying bad things. It's clear there is no love between them. This is not not some kind of romantic Mm. interlude. And she starts teasing him about another girl that she knows he likes. He likes Napsun. Oh. And Jamne's like, she is not interested in you. You are never going to get her. You are far too low to get her. This is not made clear at the time whether this is his passed away wife or anything we don't know yet but i think we're all thinking this is where it's going Uh and she teases him even more because she says well you know i uh i saw napson earlier and i saw a certain young man earlier you know what i mean stoking the fires of rage here that's where we're going to pick up the second excerpt in the middle of the conversation True, if you're lying, a tiger will come get you. You poor thing. Napson came across the river today to collect wild aster and went up into the woods, and Jongsu strolled up there too, pretending he was getting firewood. <laughs> now, do you believe me? You don't have a chance. Nah. She stuck her tongue out at him. Really? <laughs> now you're sorry. Well, go away, go on. <laughs> Jumne spun around and drew the water pail up the well, making a swishing sound. You damn shrew, I hope you fall in the well and die! Midok's face spat as he walked away, crushed. He thought to himself, that Jumne can't be making this up. I knew there was something strange going on with Jongsu. I can't let that little cur steal Napsun from me. She's been mine since we were little. This makes me so angry! But then... Jongsu does have that slender face of his that makes him look prettier. Damn it! He produced half a mirror from his pouch and studied his face in it. His wide mouth looked like a long gutter dug with a hoe, and his nose was as flat as a pile of cow dung. His bulging eyes, very narrow forehead and yellowish curly head of hair, make him look like a wild calf, or something like it. He could not deny that he was unattractive. Damn it! No woman would like an imbecile like me. Only that girl Jumne does that whole song and dance because she can't see straight. How did I get to be so ghastly? Wait a minute. It's my parents' fault. Father's dead, so I'm going to complain to mother about this. Still, I am strong, and a man doesn't make a living off his face. Damn it! I'll just go for it. Can't have her stolen from under my nose. Miroxue rushed home and told his mother to go to Napson's home right that minute and tell her parents that he wants to marry her. That if he can't marry her, he's going to hang himself and die, and that she owes him for making him so ugly, so she has to make sure he gets to marry Napson. He ranted like a madman, 
and then rushed up the mountain. He searched all over the place and finally found Jongsu and Napsun lying side by side in a sunny spot in a secluded valley. Napsun took off, horrified, but stopped a little ways away to look back at Jongsu, who was standing his ground trying to stare Mirakswe down when he would have normally backed down if Mirakswe shot him a glare. Mirakswe was more upset at Jongsu than at Napsun. Well, now I don't have any pity for Minuxe again. Now I just like yeah. him again. Back and forth and back and forth. Blaming his parents for his woes and claiming almost that Napson is his. But that doesn't seem like they've had a relationship or anything like that. No, but he's he thinks that, you know, by rights, they should be together. <laughs> and now he's upset at Jongsu. Yes. You know, this happens a lot. This is a bit of a tangent. But, you know, when someone is cheating, and that's not even the case here. It's not even cheating. You often go for the person you don't even know rather than your loved one, right? When Yeah. And also men can be very possessive (laughs) even Mm. though they should not possess another person. The other person is their own person. In this instance, it's even more removed. They're not even dating or anything. And this is back in the day as well. Yeah, this is this is early twentieth century, yeah. Okay, so I'm guessing they're gonna have a fight, surely. Yeah. Jongsu's not backing down. Nope. Mirakso's not backing down. Does Napson have a say in this? Of course is she not. watching? No, she's the girl in this. And at that okay. time, and sadly even these days sometimes with some relationships, mm. it's all about the boys. Yes. The boys are the ones who are going to decide by um, peacocking and showing off their muscles. Yeah. And they do fight. Mirakso tells Jungsu he has dibs on Napson. <laughs> Jungsu calls him an idiot. You know, she's not, she's not some patch of flowers. Yeah. Um, they throw insults at each other and then they throw punches. They wrestle and they fight. Yeah. But Mirakse is stronger. Oh. And he almost kills Jongsu. <gasps> but he gets knocked out by Napsun. She hits him twice in the head with a big stick. What? Yeah. So oh. she saves Jongsu. And then she and Jongsu run off, leaving him unconscious. Mirakse is not going to be happy. No. <laughs> Uh, but Napsun's mother is not happy about Jongsu either. Oh. She doesn't want her daughter marrying this good-for-nothing boy. Okay. And she and Bidokse's mother, they come to a financial arrangement. Oh. Yeah, the groom's family are going to pay 81 for the wedding and the dowry. And just 10 days after she knocked him unconscious, they get married. <laughs> what? I'm guessing yeah. against her will. She doesn't have a choice in it. Um, so... Midokse, I mean, he's happy with the outcome. He decides yeah. he's not going to kill Jongsu because mm. now we're married. Um, and he forgives, sort of, Napsun for hitting him. Okay. Um, and teases her for hitting him so hard. But then two weeks later, Jomne comes up to him, runs to find him in the fields, yeah. and says, Oh, 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 <gasps> I saw Napsun and Jongsu in a room together. No, 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 no. This is terrible. They're married. Yeah. And so Midokse. Uh, is in a rage. He's like, what? And he rushes home, finds his mother beating Napsun in the yard. He almost kills her himself. Napsun. But but, but one look into her eyes and he can't do it. Okay. And he decides, right, I'm going to find Jongsu. And he runs off. Oh, no. And he passes Jomne, sort of of, uh, talking to the villagers and smiling and winking. I don't like Jomne. No, and he takes his anger out on her, pushes her to the ground, keeps running, stops at an inn, starts drinking. (laughs) doesn't stop, drowns his sorrows. He stumbles home the next morning 
and discovers that Napson has taken her own life. No! She's perhaps scared that she would be beaten to death or beaten so much she'd be injured for life and would be forced to live with someone she doesn't love. In front of all the villagers who were sort of, you know, gathered around, he pretends to be angry, but inside he is so sad. Oh, really? Oh, but he hides that. He does. And then we skip forward again to where we started the story. We we skip back to Miroksue sitting at his wife's grave in tears. Well, this is a tragedy, but I don't know. I think it's a lot down to his behaviour in this, to be honest, that terrible outcome. You want to message me? Go A-R-I-R-A-N-G. ArirangRadio.com. Miroksue, who'd been sitting blankly in front of his wife Napson's grave, came to his senses and turned to the grave. A few flies had flown over from somewhere and sat in the lunchbox with the spoon sticking out. Have you had a few bites? Miroksue murmured as he picked up the lunchbox. I don't have any water. You must be thirsty. He let out a sigh. Why'd you have to die, you ninny? If you'd just stayed put, you'd have been okay. Why did you have to go and die, ninny? Tears welled up in his eyes as he murmured to himself. He pulled out the spoon from the lunchbox. Koshire. He threw some rice in front of him and then some over his shoulder. Koshire. And then to his left and right. Koshire. Koshire. He offered food in all the directions. In the mountain behind him, a cuckoo cried. Sukuk! Sukuk! Miroksue, who was about to eat, stopped and turned toward the sound. Sukuk! Sukuk! He could hear it, but not see it. Sukuk! Sukuk! The sound grew more distant, as it seemed to be flying over the mountain to the other side. Miroksue was reminded of an old tale. A daughter-in-law had just given birth, but the stingy mother-in-law refused to make her seaweed soup and fed her suguk, or mugwort soup instead. The daughter-in-law did not stop bleeding and had stomach pains, then died three weeks later. Her spirit became a bird that dreaded mugwort soup and so cried, suguk, suguk, day and night. What kind of bird did Napsum become? I hope she's a cuckoo so I can hear her. Miroksue looked at where the sound of the cuckoo disappeared and then let out a deep sigh. Sukuk! Sukuk! The last of its cries echoed dimly and then stopped. Miroksue forgot about lunch and sat as if his spirit had left him. That's very melancholy, is that? 
the end? It's the end. It's a very short story. Only it's you know the the whole thing, including a little bio, is ten pages long. Oh really? Wow, yeah. it's that short, and I can't say sweet at all, can I? No, I think Hartley <sighs> sums it up best. He says sometimes you get what you ask for, only to find it's not what you need. Mm, I feel so sorry for Napson in this taking I... her own life, and <sighs> I, I feel sorry for them both. Midoksue um, is not without blame, mm. but he is a child of his society. Mm-hmm. And this is this is really the, the, the sad thing about this sto- story is that it's a reflection of how Korean society sometimes behaved back then when it came to daughters-in-law, mm. when it came to marriages, that you did not marry for love a lot of the time. You married because that was the deal your parents had made Without your family at all. Yeah. I mean, of course, there are love stories. Think Uh of Chun Yang-jun, for example. Of course. But generally speaking, uh, a lot of the time you would go to a matchmaker and they would set you up. And if you were rich, well, rich families only marry rich families. You can never marry the poor stable hand. No. Well, Tigrish, you know, asked an interesting question. I wondered about that. He, He acted angry in front of the villagers, but he was really sad inside. That kind of seemed a bit flipped to me. I would have thought he might have acted sad as if he was, you know, really sad about the loss, but been angry inside that because he's selfish. He wanted her as his wife. Yeah, I think there's part of it is selfishness. Part mm. of it is the the possessiveness that I think some men traditionally have felt over partners. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it is also there was an innocent love for her. Okay, from you childhood. Know, from childhood. Yeah, and he. You know, if you if you read the story, there is that moment where he almost kills her. Mm. He literally raises uh-huh. something, a very heavy pestle. Oh dear! That he he in that moment he could have killed her, but when he looks at her, he cannot do it. Mm. And I think that Tigrish again is right that it's it's both of those. Yeah, that he is deeply saddened by her loss, but also she was promised to him. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's. It's really hard, I, and and I want to be clear because you can look at this and just say Miroxay is the villain yeah. of the piece. Yeah, I don't think any of the four main characters mm. and those two young men and these two young women—they're at twenty-one years old. Uh-huh. I don't think any of them are inherently bad. Yeah, I think they're all just trapped in this system where you 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 don't get to choose, mm. and you know, Peter, because you're. You're, you 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 fell in love. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you're still in love. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what that's like when you yeah. find the person you think I want to be with you, and if someone says to you, "Well, actually, no, you have to be with this other guy," who also has a nose like a flat piece of cow dung. Oh dear. Um, it's going to be devastating. Yeah, and for the rest you, of your life. Yeah, and you were the one who hit him over the head a couple of weeks back. Uh, yeah, it's what kind of choice do you have? She must have felt so hopeless, and that's why she took that extreme decision to end her life. Yeah. I, I guess this leads on to daughter-in-laws in general in career. It's changed a lot, like, over the past maybe 10, 20 years. But yes. traditionally, they would, you know, bear the brunt of many things in a household, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're just... Uh a couple of months away from Chuseok, from the mm-hmm. Harvest Festival. And um, I'll be going to my in-laws, yep. and I will not be allowed into the kitchen. Not no matter <laughs> how I, I might be allowed to set the table, and that's about the extent of uh-huh. it. Because in my in-laws' house, it's the women who do the work. Yeah. And it's the daughter-in-law of the first son mm-hmm. who does the brunt of the work. Yeah, the first son's wife. That's 
sometimes not a good position to be in. That was what my mother-in-law had to do. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, my wife used to love her grandma on her father's side unconditionally. She grew up with them for a couple of years, in fact. And then, as she got older, she could see the relationship for what it was. Yeah. And it left her so confused, you know, as a kid who loves her grandma, but then can see grandma is, like, making her mum do all these terribly difficult chores yeah. without even a thank you sometimes, right? Exactly. And this is this is not every family. We no. should should state absolutely that every family is different, but there mm-hmm. are there have been some families in the past and there may well still be families out there where yeah. the daughter-in-law is almost treated like a servant of the household. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly that was the, if you look at traditional stories and you, yeah. you, you, you look at traditional text, you see that as being a feature. And to be honest, it's been the same in Europe and elsewhere as well. It's not, it's yeah. not just something that, that Korea has experienced. Um, but the good thing is that things are changing. Yeah. However, when I got married... My in-laws were joking around saying, well, it's good good that you've married a foreigner. Oh, why? Yeah, well, you don't have to worry about being the Mionity, ah. being the daughter-in-law. <laughs> Does you your mum not make her do all the no, cooking and whatnot? No, they, they cook together. They have a great time. And my wife is, is you know, she will, if we're visiting them, she'll do all sorts of things for them. But it's uh-huh. not because she has to. Yeah. It's because she wants to. Absolutely. That's their sweet spot, isn't it? If you don't force them to do it, there's going to be a lot of times when a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law, yeah. vice versa, will want to do nice things exactly. for their in-laws. A family should be about love mm. and about acceptance and about understanding and compromise. And I have to say, when I married into a Korean family, mm-hmm. I knew there were there were going to be aspects of it which I wouldn't be familiar with or maybe things that I had to do that I didn't necessarily want to do. But I did it because I love my wife and I love my, my new family, my in-laws. Yeah. And uh, we all want to get along. Mm. Um, so I, I, I say... If you're if you have good relationships with your in-laws, you're really lucky, and that's yeah. a wonderful thing. But still, here in Korea, we have a little further to go, but things are getting better. Yeah, definitely. And there's so much on TV these days, which shows like the more modern daughter-in-law speaking up against maybe their mother-in-law yeah. or something like that. There was a webtoon that my wife used to read called Myonuragi, which is kind of making Myonuri, which is daughter-in-law, into a really kind of horrible character from the mother-in-law's point yeah. of view. I think No Thank You is the drama title made from that. If you want to watch to learn more about that relationship, but it is getting better. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for your reading. What's your one-line review for this? A tragic tribute to the suffering of many Myonides throughout the ages. Yes, daughter-in-law Myonide. Uh Some people now say Myonanim. That's from the mother-in-law's point of view, thinking that Myonides have it too good now. That's a completely oh, different kettle that's, of fish. That's a conversation for another show, Peter. Yes. I've got to go. <laughs> okay, what are you going to read for us next time? Uh, I've got uh, a brand new translation. It's Meta 2-10 by Huang sok Young. It's translated by Sora Kim Russell and Young J. Josephine Bay. It's a big novel. It's a big, thick novel. I've got a lot of reading to do this week, but I'm very excited for wow. next week. Meta 2-10. And uh, as always, thanks to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for the help with wishes for this broadcast. Thanks to Che Man-shik for his excellent story and Jamie Chang for her great translation. I'll be back next week with another book. See you next Wednesday. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Arirang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.